Hey everyone, I'm Alex Cantor. And I'm Lily Rosenthal. Welcome to our podcast, Hot Pastrami. We are coming to you from our favorite booth at Cantor's Deli here in LA. We're going to invite some of our friends to join us for a chat over some matzo ball soup and pastrami sandwiches. So join us for new episodes of Hot Pastrami every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you soon. Bye. Talking about chicken a la king, mango and garbanzo tabbouleh, real potatoes and vegetables with roasted garlic and basil, zucchini ziti, granola fruit bar. Look at all this beautiful food. Welcome to Green Eggs and Dan, where I interview amazing people with amazing minds, but all I care about is what is in their fridge. Boy, am I excited about today's guest. One of my best friends, if not my best friend in comedy, uh, he's one of the best impressionists in the game. His special, Chosen and Taken, is on Amazon Prime. You can see him all over season 11 of Curb Your Enthusiasm. One of my mentors, one of my favorite comedians, one of my favorite people, Elon Gold is here. That is so nice and yet so disingenuous because you were reading that. You were reading that. I literally looked at your eyes. Now, for the people listening on the Zoom, they won't appreciate this, but I'm on a Zoom looking at you, and this is Dan. He's staring at a script going, boy, am I excited. (laughs) This is one of my closest friends. When it's a close friend like me, Dan, you speak from the heart. You don't have to give credits, and you don't have to talk, you know, boy, gee, Willigers, are we excited to have this guy. Anyway, Dan, I'm not going to talk about I wrote, wow, comma, am I so excited? Like, I made the grammar wrong, so it really You literally off did the, the grammar wrong and then did a poor reading of it. You don't do voiceovers, do you? You're just an actor. You don't do voiceover work, because if you did, you would have done that better. You would have been like, boy, am I excited to have my next guest on the show. Um, you know, I did a voiceover, and I said, like, four or five words. There's only one Jenga, and I made $12,000. Wow. Is that crazy? But it's not about me and it's not about money. And it's not about my career. It's about you and it's about food. Did, did we tell everyone because they can't see this on the Zoom in honor of Green Eggs and Dan, I am eating and I'll show the people who will ever get to see this three beautiful eggs. Now ask me what I put on my eggs. What do you put on your eggs? Nothing. My wife does it all. But anyway, folks, um, <laughs> by the way, here's the first argument of the day. You know, when you're married, it's a lot of arguments. I don't know if you heard about this, Dan. You're, you're not ready for that yet. No, I'm not. Part of your life. But when you get married, like, I was like, oh, I got I to gotta do this podcast. Oh, can you make me eggs? And she says, I'm making myself eggs, which is like, isn't the, isn't the correct answer? Sure, because, you know, I'm making myself eggs and I'll just add a few more eggs for you. Instead of, I'm like... I'm making myself eggs is the worst answer. Yeah. The, 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 right? The answer is, oh, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm making eggs anyway. So, no, of course, I'll throw Not it. even. The best answer is to not even say that you're making eggs anyway and keep that to yourself and be like, anything for you, baby. You want eggs? I'll make you eggs. Little does she know, the skillet's hot. The oil, little do you know, the skillet's hot. The oil's in there. The eggs have correct. been cracked already. And then she looks like a rock star. Correct. Correct. And all the, you know, people, the, 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 the super feminists right now are screaming into their, into their basements, yelling, why is she making, I make my own eggs plenty. It happened to have been a busy morning for me and not for her. And she was there 
I saw she was about to make eggs. So yeah. just calm down, everybody. Oh, boy. Uh, this is. By the way, what does she put on the eggs? It's very exciting. Are you ready for this? Yeah. So the usual salt and pepper. Mm. But here's the kicker. Can you see love. it and recognize she puts it? love in it. Yeah. Um, is that oregano? No, incorrect. <laughs> herbs de Provence. Oh, guess what is one of the herbs in the herbs de Provence? I'm guessing oregano for two fifty, Bob. <laughs> yes, oregano and whatever it is, and whoever came up with the herbs de Provence, it enhances the entire egg experience. You know, I meet people who say I don't eat eggs and yeah. I want to strangle them. Mm. I go, how could you live your life without eating eggs? Eggs is life. Eggs is every morning. Eggs and coffee. It's like. It's crazy to me that people don't eat eggs. You know Obviously, if you're a vegan or if you have issues or whatever, but like eggs? I used to be a big egg in the morning guy. I don't even, I, I haven't had any breakfast today. I've just had coffee. I literally have had coffee and that is it. And it's 11.15 in the morning. But um, I- And the fast day was yesterday. <laughs> Was there a fast That's day That's for yesterday? your Jewish. <laughs> yeah, Dan is Jewish, but he's so not Jewish. He's not even aware of our fast days. No, I know Yom Kippur. Know. Oh, I have to know like the, the Yom Kippur is the only one I need to know. Then there's like, oh, the fast of Shmoni. Yeah, Shmoni. <laughs> the was fast the of Gedalia, because 3,000 years ago, there was a siege somewhere. And right. uh, listen, I'm not fasting about- for freaking Gedalia. Okay, sorry, okay, Gedalia. You it. lost the siege. You're bad. You should have had more weapons, more manpower, better strategy. I'm not fasting anymore for you. Anyway, you were saying, well, I had my first bite of eggs. Go ahead. Mm. Um, okay, before mm. we get to all this, we're, we're, we're going off the rails. Let's, let's get back. Let's focus. By the way, that happens to me every podcast. I cannot stay on I know. Well, you take, you're, you're a podcast whore. You take over, and then you end up hosting the podcast. And next week is going to be Green Eggs and Dan. Green Eggs and Elan. Um, Correct. And the green is by Herbs of Herbs de Provence, is making it green. So let's get into your fridge. Ladies and gentlemen, you can see Elan's fridge on my Instagram, at StandUpDan. Okay. A uh, very respectable fridge, family fridge, exactly what I would expect. Now, I've been to your house many times, and your beautiful, amazing uh, chef of a wife, Sasha. Sasha, yeah. She's an unbelievable chef, and so I'm not surprised that the fridge is so stocked. I will say it's, it's a little bit of a controlled chaos, a little bit of a mess going on, but mm-hmm. that's kind of... That's the vibe that I get in your house, which is why it's I love going to It's a controlled, chaotic mess. It's a controlled, chaotic mess. That's so, my entire existence. It's a controlled, chaotic mess. Can I just start, say before well, you... Hold on. Hold, no, yeah. you can't... You can, no, you cannot no, say... No, I'll tell you why I have oh, to say this, and then it. I'll let you analyze he all always, you want. You are very good at hijacking. Who's you the, should just know the facts before you present the case, and the facts are this is our secondary fridge, so you could... You could analyze it, you could look into it, but I'm just telling you right now, it's the side fridge and the side of the kitchen, the main fridge. While we were away in New York, just completely went and just leaked out everything and feel so badly because our sweet, amazing housekeeper, Ruth, came into the house and there was a smell that like made her vomit and she opened the fridge and there were maggots and worms. How worms know that there's a fridge rotting so they come into my house and invade the fridge. I don't even know how worms do that. Worms are smarter than they look. 
And I wish it was. I wish you sent that picture of the worm infested. Yeah, I should have sent that one. So that's disgusting. Anyway, cut to new fridge just got delivered, so it's empty. So there, I couldn't even take a picture of what would be the main fridge, and it's it's in process right now. But go ahead, keep analyzing this. But just By the know way, this is. Secondary. Right now, right now, every comedian listening to this is like, wait, Elon Gold makes enough money for two fridges <laughs> and a housekeeper and and Ruth, the housekeeper <laughs> and Ruth. I do quite well, ladies and gentlemen, and an, uh, old, and an old Jewish housekeeper. Yeah. Ruth, come in, Ruth. Uh, that's so funny. I'm the only guy with an old Jewish housekeeper. <laughs> Hello, I'm Ruth. Uh, let me I'll start with the kitchen and then I'll work my way up to the bedrooms. <laughs> Uh, Ruth, you've been here for three hours and haven't really done much. Uh, Ruth, the housekeeper, would be like a <laughs> SNL sketch where it's like an old Jewish lady <laughs> in like that 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 dress that they wear. Um, the, yeah. By okay. By the way, the other thing that I'm looking at that people are gonna be like, "Wow, I didn't know Elon Gold had old money. I didn't know that he was such a wealthy. I didn't know him and Sebastian Maniscalco are neck and neck." On, on, on comedy money, but you've got one, two, three, four, five, six press juicery juices in the bottle here. Like you're some, like you're a boy prince going to Erwan, filling up you your know cart. What? It's so funny. It's so funny that you bring that up because that is such a part of my origin story. Fridges and being impressed by people who have a lot in their fridge. And I'll tell you why. Because I grew, I grew up, up in the Bronx. Here we go. La, da, 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 I had no money. When my parents were teachers, we had nothing. And if we were lucky, thank you for the background music. If we were lucky, there was one thin, like half a quart, whatever it was, Tropicana. Mm. If we were lucky, that was oh, on the yeah. good week. Yeah. So Tropicana was like a commodity. Oranges happened to be a commodity. But in the Bronx, to have Tropicana in your fridge, it's like, oh, wow, clearly you guys are lower middle class. Unlike us poor low class people, you're upper lower. No, you're lower middle class to upper lower class. That's where we were somewhere between that. And we had the one Tropicana Mm. orange juice. And then I went, I met my wife, Sasha. Then we were dating. And I went to her house for the first time in Scarsdale, okay, in Westchester. Mm. Open her sub-zero fridge, something I had never heard of. Right. Okay. I open it up, and there's not one, there's not two, there's not three. There are four, and not half quarts, full quart Tropicana orange juice, four. She opens one up. She pours it, a tall glass, to the top and starts guzzling. like, <laughs> And guzzling, I hadn't. That was my first time being introduced to guzzling. Right. There was no... No one was allowed to guzzle in my house. No. We would sip. We yeah. would sip gingerly. We would just go, okay, give, save some for me. Let's save some for me. And we would just scream and argue over who took a big sip. Sasha's there guzzling. I had never witnessed guzzling before. <laughs> Four tropical. 
That is money, okay? Right. This is I, not money. I don't have a lot of money. This is called, like an idiot, I joined the dumb club, and every month they take $10 out of my credit card, and and I and and then it's like three months in, I go, you know, I have like thirty bucks. Let me go in there and, and get some. And then for for the club members, it's like six drinks for twenty bucks. So this is not the fridge of a wealthy man. In fact, if you zoom out and look at the floor, this is a fridge of a of a man who's living in a in a nineteen eighty three school cafeteria lunchroom. Okay, look at that floor. It's disgusting. I. And- <laughs> I am this, I am not a well-off man. You're incorrect. Listen, you are you do very well and I think you should be proud of it, okay? You've got pressed juice. This is the product. you made it. You made it. Don't don't apologize. I made it. I have six pressed juice. You used, to live, you used to live in the Bronx where you guys would get the court thing and then it, it would get to the last tablespoon and I imagine you filled it up with water just and shaked it around and just ah. <laughs> made more more watered down orange juice out of it. I do think the Tropicana was a thing. Like from our childhood, that's because this was before the juiceries were going on. And Tropicana was the best game in town in terms of an orange juice that you got at home. It was that that, an orange juice that's almost fresh squeezed, but not quite. Still pasteurized. Still pasteurized. Uh, No, wait. I thought Tropicana's thing was that they were non-pasteurized. Maybe non-pasteurized, but non-fresh either. It was definitely not a fresh squeezed. No, uh, it wasn't a fresh squeeze, but it was different from like the fump. Oh no! It was pasteurized. It was not from concentrate. That's what uh, it was. that's what it was. You knew it was not from something. Yes. You knew there was something negative about the Tropicana. They're so negative. Those people at Trap. They had to be not from something. Hey, you know what? We're not from concentrate. Uh, um, okay. So on that same. By row, the way, there's your clip right there. If you're gonna use a promo, it's me and you riffing on, on the Tropicana. people at Tropicana being not from something. Yeah, go back to analyzing my fridge and my wealth. Back to your wealth. Why don't, um, why don't we just open up my vault and look at the money there? Because there's $9.80. <laughs> why don't we go through that? Oh my God. Of quarters and nickels. What's in your safe? That's going to be in the Patreon. What's in, the, what's yeah. in our guest safe? Um, okay, Alan. What? So we also have like, it looks like, is this a cake? Is this like a sheet cake also on the top row? I think it's a box to a cake. So it was just the uh, Jewish New Year holiday you may be familiar with called Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, so most of the leftovers of Rosh Hashanah is in the new fridge. So it's just like tins of stuff like London broil we made. You know how we grill London broil like no other. Oh, my God. And so that's a little bit of a tin of leftover Rosh Hashanah. That's, I think, just a cake in a box up there. And uh, there was a lot, you know, Rosh Hashanah, we had listened to this 25 people. Oh, wow. Including our mutual friend, Tiffany Haddish. Wow. Who's a, you know, wonderfully proud black Jewish woman. Yeah. Who literally discovered her father has roots to like the lost tribes of Israel. And, you know, from not Ethiopia, I forgot the name of the town in Africa that also came from Israel. And so she celebrated. Was it Eritrea? Correct. Thank you. Yeah. And um, and 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 we just had such a fun lunch. But I got to tell you, 25 people without help, a caterer with I was on the grill and me and like two other people were working the grill and we're doing grilled chicken dark thighs, which are my favorite thing to grill because they're just so yummy and they taste like steak. but It's not steak. Um, And this London broil and 
others, sausages and lamb burgers, which is another favorite of mine. How much fun are lamb burgers? Lamb burgers are so much fun. I remember the first one that I had was in New York City. April Bloomfield was the chef at a restaurant, not the Spotted Pig. It was her new restaurant after that. I'm forgetting the name. But it was a lamb burger. You're not going to like this because you're a good Jew, but it was served with feta cheese on top. Oy. Um, which technically, according to Jewish law, you can actually have. Let's get into Jewish law, Jewish food. Well, okay. There's so much I want to talk about. Let's, let me just finish up with the fridge here, and then we'll get into to my anti-Semitism. But um, huh. so you've got, um, let's see, you got the maple. So this is a post-party fridge. I get it. So there's some leftovers here. You got the, uh, the Rayo's sauce. You got the San Pellegrino in a can. Again, we get it that you're, that you're wealthy. <laughs> Um, and you got the maple syrup also. Am uh, I wealthy or do I live close to a smart and final? I mean, really? I mean, really? Uh, um, the connecting the fridge to any sort of monetary value or net worth is so insane. It's very hard to do these days, too, because everyone, especially in L.A., lives way beyond their means. Like Right, like exactly. I am living so beyond my means. I can go to a Costco and go to a Smart and Final and impress a Dan Adut with a fridge that's packed with things. I mean, the fact that you even know what Smart and Final is makes me realize that, in fact, yes, you are one of the people. You are. Thank you. You do come. You know, I love food shopping more than anything. I'm at Trader Joe's twice a week. Are you really? I'm at Trader Joe's twice a week. I love it. It's a religious experience. I enjoy it. I love picking and choosing and just uh, walking around. And, and oh, my God, my hair is not looking. I'm hoping this is mostly a, an audio podcast. I would right? love to go to Trader Joe's with you. Do you have any go-to Trader Joe's things right now that you're, like, blown away by? Yeah, every now and then they come out with a product that's like, I can't believe this is even legal, but um, nothing that comes to mind. But <laughs> They have one now that, that I feel like that, like this should not be legal. It's too good. I can't stop myself. Yeah. They have like a popcorn that has like peanut butter on it. It's like a yeah, peanut butter amazing. popcorn. Holy cow. By the way, and it's I only a matter of time where Trader Joe's starts selling weed because they have alcohol already. They have... Yeah. All the spirits and wines. I think Trader Joe should have a little corner of edibles. Yeah, it's going to be called Trader Yo, man. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. I was thinking about you before coming on the podcast. How often do you think about me while coming on the podcast? I'll wait for the audience to enjoy that one. Keep it it clean, okay? I'm talking about how long you're waiting to come. You know, you you came in hot with Herb de Provence, and I should have known it was just going to get worse from there. Oh, yeah. Herb de, you know what's so funny about, like, I noticed this about the Food Network. We all say food, porn, and food. But porn and food, literally, the fact that there's a network yeah. for food. And what is the similarity? Well, the whole thing is the cooking, the ramp up, the ramp up. And then the money shot is that bite mm. when you get to eat what you, that's the money shot of yeah. porn. The whole porn thing is the ramp up and the foreplay and, the da, 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 and then it's like, boom. Yeah. And it's so funny with the Food Network. It's just, isn't it crazy that people love to watch other people do things like eating or the other thinging? Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is a, especially on the Food Network, there's a lot of fetishizing going on. Um, as why a, do we like watching other people eat and chew and bite? What's weird? 
Because the two most enjoyable things in life are food and sex. So it makes a lot of sense that those are the things you want to watch other people do. If I'm not eating, I want to see eating. Right. This is really getting dirty. Yeah. Herbs de Provence dirty. (laughs) Um, I, it's funny though. Well, hold on before we get to me, because I want this to be about you. Believe it or not, I want this to focus on on you. Um, When I was thinking, when I was coming this morning... (laughs) I'm thinking about you. I thought about what it was that I, what, what your relationship to food is to me. And what I see Elon Gold representing is you're probably, you and your wife are probably the best hosts that I know. And I know a lot of people who host, they host dinner parties and this and that. And you're the best host. And I was like, why is it that they're such good hosts? Like, what is it that makes them so good? And I feel like you guys, you guys are very good at covering up the pressure that you're going through and you make it seem effortless. And even if there is a high pressure, you have fun with it. And you also, your house is always open. Like anyone can just show up and you, you happen to have enough food all the time. Dan, this is a, uh, this is an excellent analogy and, and an excellent take on when you come over, you're missing one key ingredient to why it is so magical when you come over. One key ingredient that makes our dinner parties so special and magical. And it's one word, and it's called Shabbos, Shabbat. Yes. You're coming over on a Friday night, the whole aura when Shabbat comes in and the work week ends and you're just, everyone just feels this lifting of any sort of responsibilities and obligations. And now it's just time to rest and have fun and be with people and friends and family and community. And I call it connecting by disconnecting. So it's the only meal where my kids aren't staring down at their phones. Mm. There are no phones. Their phones are off for the day, for the night and the next day. So we just laugh and talk and communicate and have fun. And there's an aura and we usually do it outside. We're lucky to live in LA where it's always like nice outside. So we do it outside. The lights are on out, you know, the, the outdoor the string lights. lights and this beautiful table set. And, and that's the piece that you're not expressing, which really makes it extra special. And right. I'm sure you're aware of that. Now looking back, you're going, yeah, it's not about all the other stuff. And it's not about the comedy either, because we always have funny people around, right? Right. It's always like you and then like Steph and Eli and, you know, other comedians, Jeff Ross has come. I've had everyone at my, like my Shabbat table has been like superstars to just, you know, friends and, and neighbors, but it's always fun and lively. And oh, your friend, you know, who you introduced me, Barry Weiss, Barry and Nelly, they make it so, you know, fun, fun and, 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 and everything out of their mouths is just interesting and intelligent and hilarious. So yeah, there's that, there's the people, there's the food, but there's Shabbos and Shabbos is the, is what makes it, it takes it up a notch. It's not just a dinner party. It's literally like a, an experience and it's an experience that involves spirituality and, and connecting with God and friends and family and all that stuff. So, but thank you. And I love when, and by the way, let the record show for the Dan Dude fans. For my family's money, Dan Adud is their favorite guest. I don't know why that is. Sure, he's hilarious. Sure, he's good looking. Yes, he's got a lot to contribute to a dinner table, food-wise and other conversation. Why? He is their favorite. 
when I have brought oh my, ambassadors and movie stars and Dan and Doot is their favorite. I know why. It's because that one time Two words, when I baby. was stuck in the kitchen doing dishes for three hours after dinner, because it was like 20 people over, and you went and you played piano for everyone and you started singing and you were hilarious and doing like comedy and music and you you rock on the piano. And they're all like, all I hear from the kitchen is just giggling and music. And, and they went, Dan's the best. And I'm doing dishes going, I'm glad you're all having a good time. You paid for the dinner and I get all the credit. But here's the thing. First of all, there's two words about why I'm I'm the favorite of your kids. And those two words are falafel and Phil. No, because okay. you're my favorite. You're the favorite of, of Sasha also. It's nothing to do with that. Well, that's very, very nice. Uh, Sasha's also a huge falafel Phil fan, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> she side texts me. Um, but here's the thing, though. There is a... Okay, I, I get the spiritual connection and I, and, I, and I understand that. And I love that. Because... Part of it also is that you're very good at curating a group. And I wonder if that's just because you have no rules of who comes because it's always just like literally random people who are like in town that you met at synagogue that came. There was like a random ER doctor from like Santa Fe who came. There's like all these like it's just random. Uh, He's one of my closest friends, but I know what you mean. <laughs> there are random people. I feel like, like here's someone- what I'm trying to say. I feel like I put so much thought into is this person going to get along with that person? Is that person going to get along with that person? Are these people going to fit? I feel like you don't do that at all. And it always ends up working out amazing. Not for a second. By the way, place cards, the first time there were place cards in my house in, I don't know, two years was for Rosh Hashanah lunch because there there were 25 people and we just wanted to figure out where. Because you wanted to sit next to Tiffany so you could take some good Instagram pictures. Hilarious. No (laughs) thought went in go go into who but my but but my wife also criticizes me for that and she's like oh my god you just love chaos you just love a table full of like yeah (laughs) full of just people that sometimes don't connect or don't like go with each other and i do i do like the random chaos of a fun dinner with an eclectic mix of of folks let's get back to food dan yeah so, um, your wife is an amazing chef. She, she cooks- is, but the funny thing about her is she, um, she would laugh at that word chef, and she also was terrible, admittedly so, for the first 10 years of our marriage. It's a, it's no a miracle that our marriage survived what I had daily, was, which was like, I think it was like pasta and cheese. It was like a mac and cheese. I, like, I wouldn't be surprised if ramen noodles were involved in some of my dinners early on because she did not know how to cook anything but pasta and chicken cutlets, which, which she could fry. So she got into food when we moved to L.A. In Westwood, there are these unbelievable real chefs, like great talented chefs. And we sort of got hooked into this community because they kept inviting us to like Shabbat dinners or holiday meals. And the food was like exquisite and also adorned. Like one of our friends, uh, literally her sukkah, which is an outdoor thing for one of the holidays that you build, whatever, and then you have all your meals in there. Um, her sukkah was featured on the cover of like LA Times food magazine. Like that's how stunning and beautiful it, it, you know, it is. So we got hooked into these meals and she slowly uh, and surely, or but is it but surely or is it and surely? No, she slowly, uh, it's but, but she slowly and surely started learning from these amazing uh, women and getting know. tips. I don't and, know if slowly but surely can be used in that 
context and or changed at a whim just because you want it to be slowly and surely. No, That's, she. That is so true and so funny, and I apologize for it. <laughs> She began to learn over time and be inspired by these talented people. Right. Uh, Slowly as well as surely. Slowly and also surely. (laughs) You know, I think that she had a very similar trajectory and journey as I did with comedy. And I'm not even kidding. I used to just do comedy. Mm. Like some people just cook. They're just doing it. Right. Yeah. And then I learned from Chappelle, Seinfeld, Rock to actually care about what you're cooking, care about the ingredients that are going into this dish Mm. or the jokes that are going into this bit or what bits slash what dishes that you are going to make and present to other people or enjoy yourself. When you start caring about what's in it, then you realize, okay. I'm going to like really put so much more effort and care and, 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 and try harder. And then the result is always going to be better when you just do comedy as a kid. I just did impressions and Hey, here's an impression. Here's I didn't care about what I was saying. I didn't care about what I was doing. And then, you, you know, a friend, Neil Brennan told me you should be writing in stand up, write what you care about. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, what do I care about? Let's see, I care about family and I care about Judaism. And I start writing towards those things. It's the same with cooking. She didn't care. And then she realized, no, 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 it matters what you put into these things I'm making. And yeah. when you start focusing on that, everything just gets better. And when she had that revelation that I had similarly to watching these guys going, why is Chappelle so amazing and fascinating to watch? Oh, because listen, he has something to say. He cares about what he's saying. He's not just doing stand-up like so many people. He almost transcends comedy where it's like, you know, poetry with punchlines, I call it. But it's, 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 and it's not just that it's important what he's saying, and it is a lot of it. It's that it's, it's something that he has to say and wants to say and works on what he is saying. And so many people think he goes up and just riffs, which he does at times, yeah. obviously, but but it's not that. So that was Sasha's thing. And now she is a great chef, but she will laugh at you if you even, if she hears this, which she won't cause she hates you. Right. Um, I she actually look- loves you so much that she said to me, Oh no, you're doing Dan's podcast. Now, why did she say that? Because she knows I'm the podcast ruiner. I go on podcasts, start talking too much. I take over. And she's like, don't do that to Dan. I love Dan. She was upset for you that I'm your guest today. I mean, I will start railroading this conversation if I need to. I just love, I love, you know me. There's nothing I like more than Elon Gold just being Elon Gold. So you can riff away. And your wife is going to hate this. And all the listeners are going to hate this. I'm going to love it. So that's I all I care. Listeners are having the best time, and I haven't even pulled out one impression yet. Um, yeah, tell us why does Donald Trump think that you are the best podcast podcast guest? You know, you just look at the numbers. You look at the numbers, and we're doing terrific, Dana, dude. We're doing terrific numbers, and then you get a guy like Elon Gold, and I love him. I don't like Elon Musk, the other Elon, but I love Elon Gold, and he comes on and he talks a lot, 
and it's a little much, but it's also fantastic. And you know what? Any guest that comes on and they're very quiet, they're very quiet. They're not making a lot of noise. They're not making a lot of noise. Those guests are boring and we don't want that. We don't want boring. We don't like boring. We're going to make this podcast great again. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Oh, Sasha, take that. Mm-hmm. Take that. He's amazing. He's no, so but good. she'll be mad at me for doing a Trump. Why'd you do impressions? He just wants to talk about food. Well, what's the, what is what did Donald Trump have have for lunch today? I mean, obviously, I had nineteen burgers. I had nineteen burgers and two entire salami rolls. <laughs> um, you and I had one of the funniest restaurant moments uh, ever, which is. You have this show that you put on every um, Christmas Eve, which is a comedy show for Jews uh, to come out. And it's always probably one of the most fun shows in town. Packs the Laugh Factory. Alonzo Bowden is a regular on it. I feel like I've sort of become a regular on it. Um, It's a very, 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 very fun show. Um, And uh, we did it one year. And Russell Peters was there, too. And afterwards, you were like, all right, guys, let's go. Celebration dinner. We're going to this new Israeli steakhouse. It's awesome. And we go to the Israeli steakhouse. And you're like, guys, dinners. I got this dinner. It's a thank you dinner. Thank you so much. I and mean, how all- much is hummus? You know, $3.99? Yeah, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Israeli food is not known for being expensive. And we got there. And you got the bill. And it was so pricey. That you were just like, guys, I don't know what to say. Like, I need, I mean, even Russell was like, I'm going to, I'm chipping in here. This is crazy. I was like, guys, this is more than the Tesla I just bought. It was like $2,000 and something cents. It was crazy <laughs> amount. Of, and with, it was like nine, 10 of us, $2,000. This is not Il Molino. Okay. It's right. a, welcome to a homeless and pita and whatever. It's not like, why are they charging? This is. It was nuts. So was yes, then everyone pitched in. I don't want to lose money when I do a whole night, you know, whole, <laughs> whole night of up. I just felt so bad for you because I've been in that position so many times. Luckily, you were with close friends, so it was fine. Like we were all on board because it was ridiculous. But yes. like you know, when you're in that position, and you're not with close friends. And you just have to bite the bullet. It's just oh, I've work. done that before. I did that with a friend who's also like, whatever, like a big producer. And we go to this cigar lounge and you and I have had many cigars together. It's another thing we share in common, the love of yeah. cigars. And, but it was one of those high-end cigar lounges. Mm-hmm. And there's a Davidoff there. We don't go to the high-end. No we, we go to the low-end one. It's, uh, it's like right next, it's, it's a tent city that we just go and yeah. we hang out in the tent. But, but this was like one in like Manhattan on the Upper West Side, whatever. And I, I had no idea a cigar could be $130. Like, right. who would think that? And we ordered like four of them because there was a few of us. And I picked up the tab and I go, I got that. I got this. It's a couple of cigars and a drink or whatever. Thinking, yeah, it's a hundred. It was all also over a thousand dollars for cigars and a couple of drinks. Tropicana was my and Elon's favorite childhood drink. And as we established, it was not from Concentrate. So what's the difference between not from Concentrate and from Concentrate? It's pretty frickin' different. Not from Concentrate means it's just oranges. They might add a little here and there, but not much. From Concentrate means they took the juice and heated it so high that it basically turned it into a powder. 
This kills a lot of the nutrients and helps make the eventual juice shelf-stable because even bacteria want nothing to do with it. Eventually, they reconstitute the powder with water and voila, there's your shitty OJ. Long live Tropicana, the original pressed juice. Now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I have a lot of stuff going on in my mind, guys, and sometimes it just gets a little much. And I can't see a solution out because I am mired in the anxiety. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in your life. But when you learn how to find your own solutions, there's no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem-solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or how small. I've had moments in my life where I've turned to therapy when it was just a little too much for me to handle on my own, and it's always been helpful just to get me back on track. Um, again, I'm juggling a lot of stuff with my profession, podcast, writing, stand-up, my parents asking me why I'm not married. Um, all those things can get a little overwhelming, so once in a while, it's really nice to have a third party look at what's going on in my life and help me with some pointers. It's like a trainer for your brain. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists anytime you want. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash green eggs today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H-E-L-P like Paul dot com slash green eggs. I wanted to start getting to the questions uh, that I ask every guest towards the middle of the podcast, uh, starting with what is Elon Gold's earliest food memory? Earliest food memory. Um, I mean, how many comedians do the uh, do the do tit jokes at this point? Then oh, none. please go ahead. Um, Let us hear about your 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 poor mother's breast. That's <laughs> that's what that's what you know. What now? I get why Sasha was like, "What are you going to do on this podcast?" My earliest food memory is just uh, again, it's just being in the Bronx and not having good food for twenty years until I got out of it. My earliest food memory was, "Hey, this is what food tastes like," and I was probably you know twenty three. Uh, okay, that sticks. In, that that stays in line with the fact that every single Jewish guest that I have has a negative earliest food memory, and that every non-Jew so has funny. a positive earliest food memory. That is so funny. <laughs> you were like waiting for it. Like, is he gonna break it? Is he gonna nope. give us a positive? Wow. I just it's so funny because I just like noticed this pattern. Wow. <laughs> it's like, wait a second. That's Henry Winkler crazy. is like, I hated my mother's food so much. That's so funny. Um, okay, what is your death row meal? Let's think of a reason that Elon is on death row. Um, uh, let's but say, does it begin with appetizers? Um, well, yeah, it can be it can be like a multi course meal. But I'm trying to figure out first while you're on death row. Let's say you're throwing a Shabbat dinner and you're like no phones and someone's phone goes off and you just you've had it and you take I murder out, them. You murder them. You you take one of those like uh, the Jewish ritual slaughter knives and you just ISIS. <laughs> You pray. Do you mean the challah knife? Because there are no. Oh, you mean for the cows? Yes. Okay. So anyway, here's what I would have. It's very simple. We would start with some sushi, obviously. Sushi appetizer. Interesting. Yeah, abs- 
absolutely appetizer of like some like yeah, some like yellowtail jalapeno rolls, mm. a few pieces of salmon sushi, maybe a few tuna sashimi, uh, maybe some toro toro sushi. Anyway, you, start with. Are you not curious about any non-kosher foods? Does that? Of does course, that, I'm curious. You so, are? Dan, Dan, you're doing inside stuff that most people don't know. Here's what people don't know about me: I am kosher, but in a way where I eat out at restaurants, but I don't eat meat unless it's kosher meat. So that means it has to be at a kosher restaurant, but I will have fish and pasta and pizza and all that other stuff and salads at other restaurants. So yeah, I'm curious about lobster that everyone says is the greatest thing in the world. Yes. I'm curious if oysters really do make you horny. Yes. I'm curious (laughs) if, Oh, you know what I was always curious about steak. So I love steak. And by the way, steak is the end of the meal. Uh, the the death row meal. There is a slice of pizza in between the sushi and the steak. Mm. And I'm a simpleton, by the way. I mean, how many people say steak, sushi, pizza? I mean, that's but that that for me, that's it. But I always wondered, is not kosher steak better? Because they don't drain it. They don't salt it. Because the whole thing is we don't want to take the blood out of the animal because blood is life. You know, it's already there are already so many rules to slaughtering the animal in the most humane, least painful way. Then even once the animal's dead, the, 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 the parts of the animal that you could take and then draining the blood, because again, blood represents life and we don't want to just enjoy that animal's blood. So now you have a tasteless piece of meat there. But the truth is there's still a little bit of blood left and blood gives it some of that flavor and obviously the juiciness. So the non-kosher steaks are mm-hmm. supposed to be better, way better than well, kosher. I will tell you the main difference as someone who is schooled in both, uh, in both stakes, right? So, yes, I think... I'm glad you, you're proud of that on three days before Yom Kippur, but go ahead. The main thing that you're losing is not the blood, and it's not even the salting and the soaking, because that's basically brining, which is actually a pretty cool way to prepare meat. I have friends who only buy kosher chickens, not because they're kosher, but because they like the fact that it's been brined, that it's wow. been salted. Um, but the main thing that you're losing is something that actually you could bring, which is aging. No kosher steakhouses do aging and no kosher butchers do aging. And dry aging is the main thing that makes the meat taste so much better. And I think that if you actually wanted to do it, you could get a dry ager at home and dry age your own meats, which is pretty nuts. But I'm sure there, the, the fact that foodie culture is exploding so much, there's going to start being kosher, dry-aged beef that is going to be amazing. Because there's already kosher grass-fed, there's kosher, you know, organic, yada, yada. I think it's just a matter of time. But I think that the main thing you're missing is the aging of the steak. It has nothing to do, uh, you know, With obviously you're draining. missing some cuts. Like you miss, I think you guys miss filet. Filet mignon, yes. There, Which, there, are, there is like... Three kosher, kosher butchers in the world who fillet and do it, and with something about the sciatic nerve and all that, and they well, do it's the funny way. is my mom said that in Iran they would use the whole cow because basically it just takes a lot longer to drain the whole cow. And in America, yes. what they do, I think, is they drain the half that's easy to drain, then they give the rest of the of the cow to like a non-kosher place to do because financially it works out. It's a lot easier to do that than to drain the whole cow. Something like that. Can we make them to give a serious uh, shout out to the brave ladies of Iran who are protesting, putting their lives on the line to stand up to the 
tyranny and oppression that are the Ayatollahs and that regime. Shout out to you guys. We're praying um, for you. Alon, food podcast. What's the oh, best? Oh, sorry, sorry. You know, I'm sorry that I also live in a real world where things are going on and not just what I'm eating and green eggs and Dan and all this crap. Anyway, I went and took uh, Bonnie Somerville, who played my wife in a TV show called In-Laws, and we went to the Prime Grill, which was the kosher steakhouse in Manhattan for like 20 years. Yeah, I remember And she that, had a boyfriend who was like a pretty well-known actor or whatever, and we're sitting there and I go, I'm dying to know. So they're both not Jewish and they're both loving the steak. I go, I'm dying to know. How much worse is this than a not kosher steak? And they're like, worse? Are you kidding me? This is the best steak I ever had. This is amazing. And I was like, oh, see, just you, you always think about what you're missing. You know, the grass is always greener. It's always like, oh, it must be so much more fun to blah, blah, blah. Oh, it must be so much better to have a not kosher steak. Guess what? Be happy with your lot, which is the whole essence of the Torah, isn't it? Be happy with what you have. Stop looking at your neighbors and other people and other steaks. And that was such a lesson for me. Like, I'm always envious. Yeah, but this steak is good, but I'm sure not kosher steak is better. Be, when you're eating a steak, enjoy the steak and stop thinking about how much better it could be. Yes, I agree with you. But also, I'm going to say skirt steak is probably my favorite cut of steak. Better than ribeye, better than anything. And skirt, you are correct, sir. And skirt cake, skirt, uh, kosher uh, skirt steak is just as good, if not better, again, because it has been brined. Than a, so, so, so why don't you just enjoy your skirt steak? Let us have the amazing lobster and charcuterie and ribs that you will never, ever have. That you will oh, I don't, have ribs. I don't get ribs. I don't get charcuterie. Okay, sure. I do. I do get all of those things. You and get kosher faux, and you get, delicious. You get faux charcuterie. Okay. You know what else I get, Dan? Heaven. <laughs> anyway, um, what is the best high-end meal that you've ever had? There, that's I have no answer to that. I there's so many, and they're all over the world. Like maybe I'm probably guessing in Paris. Obviously, we had a four-hour lunch at Le Grand V4, where you sit there from noon to like four four thirty. Like literally, it's over four hours. And it's a thousand courses and they bring out not a cheese plate or a tray, a cart of yeah. every kind of cheese that's from the cow that the chef has in his backyard and every kind of pasta fish, blah, blah, blah. And again, not a kosher restaurant, but I got to eat all the other fun stuff. We sat there for over four hours, drank French wines and ate the most delicious foods. And that to memory, there's also amazing places like Whiskey Bar Museum in Israel has an amazing steak. Upstairs has a cigar bar, has the craziest whiskeys. There are so many, you know, over the last, I guess, 10 years that I've got to experience these great places. Uh, again, growing up or my 20s and 30s, I've never had. I used to eat pizza. If I, I was going out to meet friends mm. as a struggling young comedian, I would go and eat, like grab two dollar slices of pizza and then just sit and maybe order an appetizer or a soda and then just give my 20 bucks. Well, my meal was 12, you know, like that's what you do when you don't, and then you get a little bit of success, a little bit of money, which is all I have, a little bit of both of those things. No, I barely have right. anything. That's not, I bad. don't, I still don't have five Tropicana's in my fridge large, but <laughs> you have cold pressed juice. Yes. But to get to go to those places, like I've never even been to France until a couple of years ago. To get to go to those kind of, that, that was a treat. I'm sorry, you know, these answers, we got to cut it short. Here's what's happening, Dan. If people see 
if this if people see 52 minutes, we have a shot of them going, hey, I can tune into just 52 minutes of Elon and Dan. But if they see one oh something, they're like, I'm not even listening to this. And then my numbers are going to go down. And you look at the numbers and they're always looking at the numbers and they're doing they're not doing well. It's not good. Not good. What is the best low end meal you've ever had? So this could be a street taco. It could be a shawarma, a falafel. It's got to be one of those ballpark hot dog deals where you're just mm. and they have kosher ones like at Met Stadium. Oh, and that's another York, one because there's so many Jews in Brooklyn and Queens. They have kosher. You know, by the way, that's another one where the kosher version's better than the non-kosher is a hot, the dog. hot dog. Thank um, you. A Hebrew national, I think, will beat a, a dirty dog any any day. D- damn right. Take that, Oscar Meyer. <laughs> Um, what is your favorite drunk food? You get, you drink, we love to drink, but you never really get too drunk. You like, you like the, you like the, the marijuana. That's your, first of all, another thing that I didn't do till my thirties was drink. Like literally I would, I was one of those guys in colleges that just didn't in college that just didn't drink. I was high on life. Marijuana. I didn't do marijuana till I was 50. And even now at 52, I wouldn't say I do it, but I would just say, maybe I've done my kids are listening to this. I would say maybe I've passed the joint at a party, but no, the truth is I actually pride myself in being very like anti drug. Yeah. Um, How, you know, and have a real strict line with my kids who are now teenagers that like, I have no tolerance for drugs. Um, but weed doesn't count anymore. I mean, let's be honest. I've, I've always felt that weed was like gateway or drug. I didn't want to get addicted to it. I mean, while you can't, I didn't want to be reliant upon it where, oh my God, I'm so much funnier if I'm stoned and now I'm going to get stoned every right. day. Right. And That's when why you're I'll, never, kids, I'll never drink before I go on stage because of that. Because I'm like, I never wanted that to be a crutch where it's like, because there was a guy at the Boston Comedy Club who needed to have three beers before he went on stage. That was his thing. He's like, yeah, I need to have three Heinekens before I go on stage. I was like, that does not seem like a good like, habit to form. You're right. And to rely and need and depend on something. Yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm not a big anything. I'm a big food person. That's why. What's I... your favorite drunk food? What's your favorite drunk food? Stay on topic. Favorite drunk or high food? God damn it. We're going to be a three hour podcast. You know, I don't get drunk or high enough to have a favorite drunk food. I'm sorry. Oh, we get it. Your kids are listening. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite? Pizza. What is your favorite hangover? I guess you don't have a hangover cure because you're never hungover because your kids are listening. I am is, never hungover. <laughs> who is your favorite celebrity? Just hung. Wow. See, that I could do with my kids listening. With your kids that listening. I, could say. <laughs> I can't say I ever touched an edible, but daddy's quite hung, kids. <laughs> Uh, who's your favorite celebrity food personality besides Dana Dude? Well, obviously besides Dana Dude, because you are number one. Um, I like the, um, what's her name? Gia something. Oh, Giada De Laurentiis. Yeah. It's just, you know, I call it cooking with cleavage. It's yeah. just so fun. Sometimes I'm looking at the food, sometimes I'm looking at the cleave and it's all just fun. Yeah. Also, she does a lot of like, they do like on that sh- on her shows. It's always very fetishy. Like they'll like close up in on her f- on her little fingers as yes. she's like mashing food together, and it's very that to me is like softcore food. Porn. Yes, but I love also on Instagram. Besides you, I love um, Prep and Rally. Love following Deanie and uh, Busy in Brooklyn is another fun food person that I like following. I really do 
again, it, yeah, like we say, it's porn. I like watching people make food, eat food. It's just fun. Yeah, no, you do definitely love food. Uh, what is your desert island food? So you're trapped on a desert island. You can only eat one food for the rest of your life. You are never going to get tired of it. What is that food? Again, it's, it's definitely pizzas. Do you have a go-to pizza? I guess you're kosher, so that cuts you down a little bit. Well, whatever. But like, I just love a good margarita with those red pepper flakes and also a good mushroom pizza. Give a shout a out. Do you have a place that you love? We'll, we'll shout them out. Oh, let's see. Who do I want to make happy today? No one, because what have they done for me? Oh, my God. Uh, is there a food that you can't stand eating? Something that you hate? Yeah, everyone's into these anchovies. And oh, yeah. That's my favorite. Anchovies on pizza and anchovies and salad. And, 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 oh, my God, the other day someone had anchovies and what? It was a really, it was a food that shouldn't have had anchovies in it. Cereal. <laughs> it's it's new Kellogg's <laughs> pop anchovies. Um, no, it was in like something that it shouldn't be in, and oh, I think it was yeah, I think it was on pizza. Yeah, it was on pizza, mm. and okay. I don't like. Okay, let I me don't just like. Can I do my Michael Caine? Yes, I don't please. like. I don't like when people put anchovies into their pizza. I don't like that, Mr. Caine. Mr. Caine. Let me try to change your mind. Um, so here's I don't the like when people try to change my mind. All right, Mr. Trump, I think I can. How about Mr. Stern? We've done Trump. Yes, enough. Mr. Stern. Um, uh, let me tell you how sexy anchovies can be. Howard Stern. Uh, let me tell you something, Robin. These anchovies, they are so hot. <laughs> Uh, I don't like anchovies. That's it. That's my final answer. But let me just let me just try to convince you. Here's the thing. Most of the anchovies that people put on pizzas are really shit quality anchovies. Number one. Also, it's very aggressive introduction to anchovies. All right. You shouldn't have anchovies raw on a pizza. The way you need to have it is in a sauce. I'm going to talk to Sasha. If you make a pasta sauce and you put it in there and it mashes up and it disintegrates, you don't even see it. You just sense something is different in that sauce. I'm open to that. And especially a good one and not a really fishy, smelly yeah. one. No, the fishy, smelly ones are usually just bad anchovies. Like you need good anchovies. And in my opinion, they're, they're one of the things that are, that are, they're one of the culinary delights of the world. Last question, my favorite question. What is or are your restaurant pet peeves? Waiting. I can't, I can't wait for a table if there's a line outside if there's a we have an hour wait i'm not going mm. i'm not there are other options out there although i did just wait for sugarfish for a half hour the other night and it was pretty darn good and worth the wait but anyway um that is some fine sushi but um waiting is a huge i don't wait online it's not 1970s russia we're online <laughs> for toilet paper and bread i'm not waiting online um What's the other pet peeve? Yeah, so not to send it back, which is like our staple. Like so many, you know, the famous joke where the waiter comes over, you know, in, in Miami, the, the old Jewish ladies, is anything okay? Right. You know, because just like it's always kvetching. But when you don't like something and it's like really bad or it's like bad in a way that's not just your taste, like there's something wrong with it, whether it's a bug or something. And then they don't take it off the check. And it's like, wait a minute, come on. I like, you know, you, you served me something with like a roach in it. 
take that off the check. And and then the nice places just go, oh yeah, of, of course we'll take it. And whenever someone takes anything off a check for me, I like always put whatever that was yes. on top of their tip, just to show my appreciation. It's not about saving the money. It's about, look, this wasn't good. And I'm just paying for something I didn't eat or like, or was damaged or ruined or spoiled or whatever. It's not the money. I'll give you the money, the waiter, right. the waitress, right. but take it off the goddamn bill. Uh, I'm with you. Um, I also, I, I think I return food a lot more than most other people do. Um, mm. Because, and again, I'm not just doing it to be annoying. If I don't like something, but it's prepared the right way, I'm not going to return it. But if they mess something up, oh boy, are they going to hear it? Sure. They're going to hear it. And it's true. I think you can judge a restaurant by how they respond to that. How or at least they are. the waiter, the individual. Right. Yeah. Right. Dan, um, are we coming up on 101? Because this is not good. We're not going to get any listeners. Elon Gold, thank you so much. You are I my favorite you. person. Uh, tell the people where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Instagram at Elon Gold, E L O N G O L D. Uh, as you said, uh, I have a special that's uh, streaming on Amazon Prime and another one coming out soon. And then, um, I don't know, just find me places, websites, elongold.com, and other things that are going on. I'm on this season's Curb Your Enthusiasm. If you want to go to HBO and see season 11, I'm in a few of those episodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, find me wherever you'll find um, Dana Dude, Kosher Food. And wait, I need a third funny one. Give me a second. And press juicer and press juices. I'm holding it up. And if you're uh, in LA, just Google Elon Gold's address and just show up on a Friday night. It's so much fun. We he will welcome you. He will not turn you away. Uh, thank you, Elon. I will say you have uh, you have made me. You've brought me closer to Judaism uh, more than probably anyone else in my life because. The way that you practice Judaism is such a fun, inviting way that I was never used to. And uh, for it's that, how Judaism was meant to be practiced. I'm not even kidding. But more importantly, how good was I on this podcast? Elon Gold, everyone. Thank you. Wait, wait, wait. Elon. Like I was well behaved. I didn't interrupt you. I let you speak. I had some good stories, a couple of funny jokes. I did impressions. How good was I? On a scale of one to ten, this was like a solid six and a half. Thank you, Ulan. Uh, this was so much fun. Uh, <laughs> how does Rodney Dangerfield feel that he just got a six and a half? If you think you're getting another impression out of me after that <laughs> bullshit low rating, you ain't getting shit. I'm hitting end on this goddamn No, thing. 10 I out of 10. You. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. I love you. I'll tell you. Whatever. I love you, buddy. You're love the best. You Thank you. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.